to the Slow Wealth Podcast. Success lives on elevation. My name is Kendra, and we have my husband, Ramon. He was taking a sip of his Starbucks. Tell everybody what I'm doing. (laughs) Again, this is the Slow Wealth Podcast, and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our experiences in real estate and how we want to spread the knowledge of real estate and investing to the world. Oh, what little we know. Yes, yes. Um, If you want to reach us right now, you can email us at invest at slowwealth.com. That is I-N-V-E-S-T at S-L-O-E-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. And please remember to subscribe. Yes, please. Uh, what is that? Subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> Leave comments, reviews, whatever. If you don't like it, let us know. If you like it, let us know too. So, uh, you know, we're going to get that going like that. So, All right. So just to give a synopsis, our first two of our first two shows, our very first episode, we introduced who we are and why we're doing this podcast and what gave us the motivation to get started. Um, our second podcast was a five-part series where we talked about pre-approval for, um, for the loan, finding a lender, credit due diligence, FHA, conventional loans, the differences and what they are as well as uh, debt-to-income ratios with lender requirements. Now, again, just as a disclosure, because I do think it needs a disclosure, um, these are our experiences. And with our experiences um, comes a lot of different knowledge, you know, because of our personal experiences. And everyone doesn't have the same experience through the investment process especially when they get started some people may get started and be given you know um inherit money or be given money by someone or you know have a bunch of people help them um with their like a crowdfunding or there's a lot of different ways that people got started but we literally got started with nothing so um we we want the world to know that it is possible to invest basically in yourself because that's ultimately what you're doing you're betting on yourself and you know your grit to become a successful investor and we in our own rights are successful investors because we didn't really depend on anyone to give us anything we we had to get in the game and figure it out And with that said, I have today's quote, and it's a beautiful one. It starts with, strange, isn't it? You know yourself better than anyone else, yet you crumble at the words of someone who hasn't even lived a second of your life. Focus on your own voice. It's the only one that matters. And that is very important when you get started in anything in life. And for us, it was, you know, we we kind of had to live by this quote because you do get a lot of people that, you know, want to, you know, give you unwarranted advice 
and it, it doesn't help the success. It's like, okay, so you told me that now what? That how is that helping me? How is that going to add to my life or, you know, bring any value to my life? Um, it's not necessarily that they're hating. They just want. They feel like they want to be heard or. It's almost like, too, well, how come it's you and not me? So you, you have to be ready for for the um, for the people out there that are the naysayers. And we deal with that every day. But, uh, once you, <laughs> but once you get past that, you know, your life moves on. It's like, okay, psh, you can't stop this show. This train got to keep going. And, you know... With that, you know, let's just say again that real estate is not for everybody. Just like stocks ain't for everybody, school ain't for everybody. Well, so they say. <laughs> Anything could be for you if you put the time and energy into it. Right. So, and you know, also, like she said, we we you know we didn't have much when we started. We did have a mentor, so I can't um, say we didn't have anything. Or anybody, because we did have somebody. Yes, we did. Um, we had his knowledge, or their knowledge and experiences in real estate. But when I, I was talking about monetary, mm -hmm. because a lot of times that people are like, I need, to, I need the money to get started. But we had something that was, we have something that's more valuable than money. Because that knowledge will die with you know what I mean it'll it'll die with you it, it it lives it lives within us but it'll die with that person which is why we're doing the podcast exactly so, because we so want to spread to the well we got to be a blessing to others just as someone was a blessing to us indeed indeed so now that we got that out of the way yes yes we had, to, we had to get a little personal we shouldn't even talk about how it is working together before we get into our podcast Oh my god! <laughs> so I'll let you say, how is it working with me? Or how is it just working with someone doing this in a business? Because this can apply to uh, any and all businesses. When you're working as a couple, mixing business with a relationship. I want to okay. So, I want to start off saying that neither one of us really had real estate totally in our spectrum. We were wanting to do other things. I mean, it, we, Ramon kind of was like, yeah, I want to get into real estate. But because we didn't have enough knowledge um, initially when that subject was first I guess when it was first introduced to us. And then as we explained in the first podcast, um, we were motivated. Like it was like a, a light went off, literally a light went off in our both of our minds when we were sitting at dinner with my godparents. And we were like, man, it wasn't necessarily the money. It was more or less the autonomy that they had and then how they worked together in the beginning. And I'm like, Ramona and I can do that. We got a great rapport. We have, you know, issues just like everyone else, um, both uh, in, you know, as individuals, you know, how you have your internal battles. 
I'm actually a great guy. Yes, he is. He is a wonderful man. And he <laughs> is a <laughs> and he is a pleasure to honestly he is a pleasure to work with. And that keeps me motivated because a lot of times I get totally sidetracked and it's like with me, I I'm that I'm that uh dog that'll see a squirrel. I'm I'm focused on one thing and then I'll see a squirrel and I'm like, squirrel <laughs> and I'm chasing the squirrel and then I'll chase something else and I, you know, but this is uh working in real estate and investing has definitely kept me abreast on my goal. And working with Ramon, I get so motivated because I see him staying up late at night and reading and you know, he gets excited and and I, I get excited because he's excited because he's found something that, it, you know, that's his calling. And at first I was kind of like, well, that's not my calling. And then I found something that I'm like in real estate that I really enjoy, a piece of it that I enjoy. And then I'm, you know, I can go to sleep at night and I'm like, oh, I can do this and I can do that. And this podcast, as well as future aspirations, is one of them. I enjoy working with my husband. The thing that I didn't like, I'll say at first, is when we were buying our first property, how he would stay up all night and his priority was trying to make the numbers work, trying to make that deal work. And it was really, really hard because it was like, uh, what about me? You know, let's talk about my favorite subject, me. <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you up all night long? Come to bed, let's eat dinner. And he would just be so focused on, well, we got to do this. We got to have this information and we got to make sure, you know, that we do this and, and look at this deal and look how much we can make and look where we can be in 10 years or 15 years. And you talking about, you want to quit your job. If you want to quit your job, you need to show as much, uh, as much, I can't even think of the word. It's interest. Interest and excitement. You need to be just as zealous as I am. And it was it was difficult for me at first because I'm like, man, I don't want to sit down and crunch no damn numbers. <laughs> I just, you know, I wanna I wanna talk to people. I wanna get out there and I wanna, you know, I wanna do something. And then I was running into agents and brokers that were like, they love what they do. And they love the freedom of it. They And they were able to, you know, clear their work schedules to take their kids to games and go to a movie Tuesday afternoons and, and go to dinner, you know, as late as they wanted and, and wake up as, you know, and, and just have their the, the day to be free. But they were working. So that's what I really enjoy is the freedom and feeling as if I'm contributing to, you know, a couple purchasing their first home and stuff like that. So eventually I will have my licenses in two states. Um, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And Ramon is so supportive of that. And, and he, he sees things in me that I don't see in myself. And uh, he allows me to be vulnerable. And that, that can be difficult sometimes in not only in just our relationship, but our professional relationship as well. Now tell the truth. How is it really working with that? 
I just told no. you. <laughs> oh, you want me to be like, oh, hell, it's horrible. <laughs> no, it's, 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 I mean, it could be difficult. It, it challenges, it, it challenges me in a way that I want to be better. Not just for you. I'm not doing it just for you, but me too. Cause I gotta, you know, I gotta live with myself, you know, and it just brings out that, that queendom in me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How all is it right. working with me? Uh, man, look at the time. <laughs> no, I mean it's good. It's cool. It's not, you know, like you said, it was, it was a headache a lot of times because mm-hmm. you did not want to do a lot of stuff because you was not interested <laughs> as I was. So, you know, that was a that was a little headache for a while, but. I don't know. I didn't really mind it a whole lot because you know I was willing to do all of it. You know, I was I was more into it than you. I didn't mind putting in the time and the work. You know, and when you when you passionate about something, you don't always focus on what somebody's not doing because you're focused on what you're doing mm-hmm. and what you need to do and what you need to finish and accomplish. So, uh, I was doing it. I was just doing it because I was passionate about it. So, you know, now that you you know, have come around. Have come around. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> so you came around now. You know, after you know so many years, but uh, you know it makes it a lot easier. So when people are, you know, when you go, when you're a couple and you're going into business together, you really should sit down and find out each other's goals, outline it, find out okay, you know, what are you interested in doing? What am I interested in doing? What are you good at doing? What am I good at doing? And it makes it a lot easier than just jumping into it and trying to figure it out like we did. Yeah. Because you're going to argue. Yes. You're going to go at it. Yes. You're going to do a lot of stuff. Hallelujah. You're going to be going at it. Praise God. And, hey. Speak. That's what we did. Preach. We did. We did a lot. We did a lot. Of, we did a lot of arguing. <laughs> a lot of arguing. It was a lot. It was, it was frustrating. But, and mind you, we weren't married at the time. <laughs> no, we was not married. Yeah, we weren't married at the time, so. We was not married. And uh, matter of fact, hold up. Yeah, 18, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we weren't married. Huh? Yeah, we weren't married when we first started in uh, real estate. We were figuring each other out, and then we were figuring each other out in business. How to work together. How to get along, go alone to get along. It was uh, because I'll tell you guys why. Because going through all of this that we was going through and we got our first property and went through all of that stuff that we went through. And, you know, it took us what about after our first property, we, we probably didn't get our first breather for about a good six, seven months. Yeah. Because we were just nonstop dealing with, you know, tenants and then a property and just a lot of stuff and we were still working. Um and a lot of things where we we didn't get our first breather for like six months, but we were like, okay, everything is running on, on autopilot. hmm And then we got to the point where we uh the tenants was paying all of our, you know, was paying the mortgage and our uh utilities. Yeah. So we wasn't paying no rent, which yeah. was nice. That was very nice. And, you know, I thought, hey, let's go to the next step. I want to get another property now. 
And Kendra, <laughs> Kendra was just like, look, Ramon, I this, this is just not my dream. <laughs> <laughs> I was so frustrated at the time, yo. Oh, I was God. like, I was hating my job. I wasn't feeling good about myself. We were in a, a city that we didn't know anybody. We could not find our tribe. You know, when you move to a city and you really don't know anyone and you're trying to figure things out and, and you know, here That's, we are. That's uh, the city of Seattle, for those who want to know, where it is cloudy 350 days out the year. <laughs> Beautiful city, though. It is. You know, it is a gorgeous city. Being by the ocean. City. Is it when, it, when it's nice outside? Oh, it's nice. Oh, yes. But they don't get a lot of sun. No. And you can almost, well, I ain't going to say almost. You can see why the suicide rate is so high. Oh, it's just, man. It's just cloudy and gloomy. Yeah, it is very morose. So, yeah. It was just, yeah. We need to change the scenery. But it was a lot. You know, like you said, being in a relationship, not being married. Then buying a property, so we basically going into business together, trying to figure that out. And then somebody tell you, this ain't what I want to do. Well, I, I so mean, you got so understand. much confusion going on. You got to understand. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 what you, what you mean? We got a property now. Like we ain't paying no rent. We've been paying rent for how many years? Even before we started dating. Yeah. So now we at the point where we found something that. Is, is, is going to potentially put us in a position where, you know, <laughs> we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to be able to have, uh, what they say, financial freedom. Mm-hmm. And now you saying, this ain't what I want to do. So I, it, it was it was a game changer for me. It was, it was a, man, it came from the left. I didn't see it coming. And so it was like, okay, now I got to go back. And now I got to say, okay, hold up. She said this ain't her dream. She don't get the feeling of it like I do. You know, the passion, you know, the staying up late, getting up early. Like, she wants that, but she didn't get it from real estate. And so now I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to give it up. And <laughs> you said this ain't what you want to do. So I said, all right, you know what? I can't force you. You know, I, I have to support, you know, and, and go along with whatever it is that you want to do. Um, but while you figure that out, I'm going to be over here trying to make this happen with the real estate. And so eventually she came around and found something that interested her, uh, which is, you know, you know, anytime you have a couple and you guys are going to business, it, it, it helps if you guys are on the same page or you're interested in that business. Or even if you're maybe not you're both interested, you're still willing to put in the work. And the time, if you can see uh, the outcome, and so now that you know we both on the same page, where we can see the outcome of what this real estate is, uh, will do and has done, it makes it a lot easier. So when we bought the first property, you know, refinanced, we got the second property, and then to the third, it's it's easier. You know, the process is easier, but us being on the same page and working together has gotten easier. In my opinion. Um, so. Yeah, I agree. It definitely has gotten a lot easier for us to work together. And I know at first, um, during that first deal and 
um, closing on the property. It was it was really a lot, you know, because there was just a lot of other things going on with me internally that didn't have anything to do with Ramon. And then when I came out and told him, okay, this is not my dream, but I'm seeing everyone in the industry and in real estate, you know, happy and excited. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, my calling. And then a light went off. Like just, you know, it's like you find the most significant things in the most insignificant times um so something just went off and I was like oh my god I love this you know so we're able to find ourselves in the same in the same space you know the, like the same um industry so it was so crazy about this Kendra yes is when I try to push you toward it, you did not want it. <laughs> when I backed off, all of a sudden, you're like, oh my God, I love real estate. <laughs> so, yeah. Because that, I had to find nugget. my place in it. Like, I love to teach, and I know my, my purpose is to get out into the world, and I really want to make a difference. And I, I, I know that we can make a difference with this, so... That's where I had to, you know, figure out, you know, the different things, how I can incorporate this into other, um, you know, aspirations that I have. But we'll talk about that, you know, as time progresses with our podcast. Um, so, yeah, that was just a little long snippet. <laughs> it's a long, a long yeah. But I think, I think, I think it's still important for people out there who got a girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever, and you guys want to go into business, and they always say don't mix it, you know, friends and business, you know, and relationship business. Actually, business is a relationship, but your personal relationships, because, you know, it could if it goes south, if it goes the wrong way, you know, you might end that business and your relationship. So I think it's really based on communication. You have to communicate. Absolutely. All the time. All the time. About anything. And we did. We did. Now, that was never a problem for us because we would get things. I would hold it in, but eventually it would come out. At the wrong time. <laughs> but it would come out. There was never any <laughs> wrong time. I would get what I was feeling out. At the wrong time. <laughs> uh, at the wrong time. But all right, all right, let's get into what we really need to talk about. All right, so we are going to talk about um, finding the right agent, what to look for with an agent, dealing with an agent. Um, we've worked with three agents um, on on finding our very first property. So three, three different agents from three different brokerages so let's start off with how do you find the right agent i mean you know finding the right agent depends on the person or persons in our case um i mean if it's someone you have a rapport with that's always great mm -hmm. You want to find someone who has qualities that touch you personally. 
because you 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 and this person is going to have a significant relationship because you're you're putting the care of your hard-earned money which is a lot of money in their hands basically you're saying hey i have this amount of money to spend and i'm entrusting you that you're going to help me spend it on something i could live in for the rest of my life you know i'm going to raise my kids here um I have, you know, I have a family here, you know, this is, this is for the safety and the trust of me and, and me and mine, or just me, you know, in some cases, but, um, in our case, finding the right agent, it was more or less somebody that we could equally feel has a loyal loyalty to us. Now, did we did we uh, did we interview agents, or how did we how did we pick the ones that we that we dealt with? And should you interview an agent, or should you just kind of Google search and and pick one? See, that's where we made our mistake. <laughs> <laughs> we did not interview agents. I don't even know how we found the first agent, and we should not give names. It should be agent one, two, and three. Yeah, I, t- I don't know we found the first one. Okay. First one. Uh, well, you asked. Let me finish okay, the rest of your question. So, yes, people should always interview an agent because this person is working with you. So, and sometimes you know you they work well. They work for you on your best interest. Um, but they'll be working with you. You're gonna tell them, okay, this is what I want. This is the expectations. Um, this is how much I gotta spend. This, in some cases, you know, for people who, who are purchasing a single family home, this is going to be my forever home. Or in our case, we were like, hey, we need to find something that's four units uh, in a neighborhood that, you know, if I want to walk my dog at night, I'm not going to get shot, stabbed or robbed, you know, and that, that was becoming difficult. It's not like, you know, we walk outside and we're scared, but there are some areas that you want to stay away from, of course. Um, you also want to find an agent that has experience. Now it doesn't always, the experience doesn't always constitute is great for some people because we, we ran into a lot of agents that worked in the industry for many years and still weren't able to give us the service that we needed. Um, so if, if the person is new into um, the, the industry, whether they're a, a new broker or a new agent, um, you definitely want to vet them to see what they have to offer for you. Because sometimes I found that people who have the least amount of experience end up being like the best people to work with because everything is fresh and, and they're they're really checking you know they're really checking things off the list and dotting their eyes and and they're they're wanting to keep you you know keep you satisfied through the whole process and provide that um highest expectation of service um what are some questions that you will ask um, an agent 
how will you find the right agent? Um, are you looking for someone who has a lot of experience as far as working in the industry for many years? What exactly do you look for in an agent to find the deals for you? Well, uh, for me, it's, like you said, how long have you been an agent? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how long have you been an agent? Because being an agent for 20-plus years does not always mean that you have the best experience um, than a person who has two years' experience. Um, so, in our case, you know, we've experienced that. Our first agent had, I think he said, 22 years' experience, and it didn't really help us at all. Um and it's helpful if they have, as a side note, it's helpful if your agent has a sales background because that is really going to help you when you're going out to buy uh, or find a property because you're going to be doing some negotiating to just to even try to get that deal. So it helps, you know, if you got a sales background, but also your agent because your agent is your voice. That's the, That's your representative in any deal. So that's the person that's going to be, on the front line, speaking to everybody for you because that's what you're paying them for. And most agents get um, 3% commission. That's the, that's the industry standard on the, on the deal, meaning if I'm the seller, I'm selling a property. Let's say I'm selling a house for $200,000. i am paying my agent, who's a seller's listing agent, to list my property on the MLS and all these platforms to get my house out there so people can see it. I'm paying them 3%. And then I'm also paying a buyer's agent. So if the buyer comes to see my house and they want to buy it, they also have an agent. I'm paying the buyer's agent 3% as well. So in that deal, if I'm selling the house, I'm paying on normal standards 6% just to sell my house. And that is split up between a seller's agent and a buyer's agent. So um, that, you know, that's really just kind of a side note. But, uh, you know, there's certain questions, you know, and really, to be honest with you, you can Google, you know, what questions to ask agents and all that stuff. And you're going to get, a, you know, 10 questions to ask the agent, 20 questions to ask the agent. But I think people really should use your gut. Mm-hmm. You know, when you meet people, you either gonna get a good feeling about them, or you are gonna get an eerie feeling, or you know you gonna ah, this person may not be it. And sometimes your gut is wrong. Most cases it might not be though. I don't <laughs> ever believe your gut is wrong. I'm gonna tell you why our gut was wrong on our first one. Now our first agent, we found him through a friend of mine that I work with. He seen a flyer uh, at, at at work. Saying this guy, you know, has his agent. He was uh, on the flyer. Said you can get up to like twenty, twenty thousand uh, down, twenty thousand dollars towards your down payment on the house. So he's like, hey, dude, I know you're looking for something. Hey, he's like, call this guy up. You know, he may be good. So I said, oh, okay, cool. Call the agent up. Uh, set up an appointment. Me and Kendra went out and met with him. Sat down. You know, real nice guy. You know, he's basically just telling us, like, yeah, you know, I've been an agent for 22 years. 22 years. Um, you know, uh, 
you know, I've, I've been in here, I've been doing this, doing this, and doing that. And we was like, he was like, so what are you guys trying to do? What do you want to accomplish? And we said, well, we looking for four unit properties. And he was he was very shocked. He was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, all right. And he was he was impressed by us. I can I I could tell he was impressed by us um, when we mentioned exactly what it is that we want to do because we did mention um, to him also that we wanted to keep the same agent because we don't want just one property. We want several properties. So when we told him that, he said, oh, okay, so I know what you guys are trying to do. He said, because I do the same thing. And he understood. He said, I own property too. And we was like, oh, for real? He was like, yeah. So I was like, oh, sweet. And as we were sitting there, a lady walked in Mm -hmm. to pay her rent. Yeah. So yeah, we were able yeah. to see, you know, that transpire. Now, I don't know if he staged that. I don't know. I don't think he staged I'm that like, because it was the beginning $20. of the month. He might have paid $20 to come in and say, No, I don't I'm think so. My rent check, you know. But so. it, it was it was kind of a it was a weird coincidence that we go in here saying, hey, we want to buy a four-unit investment property, you know, because this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to stack and gain properties, you know, so we got financial freedom. And he's like, hey. You know, I'm an agent, but I also own properties too, which is really what you want. You know, that's one of the best things to have in an agent is one who also owns property because they understand what you're trying to do. And then while we're talking, you know, this lady comes in and he's like, oh, excuse me. And she's like, yeah, I got my rent check. And we're like, oh, man, Mm -hmm. this is it. Mind you, we were in his office, so it wasn't like we were all out in the open. She was in the... um, the welcome area, mm-hmm. you know, giving the check to him. But we heard it, and we yeah, saw we it. heard it. We were being you know, nosy, like, "What's going on?" Oh, you know, yeah, so yeah, we I saw like, it. Yeah, we got the right guy. <laughs> so you know, we that to me, I thought, "Oh man, we in good hands." And you know, we proceeded to, you know, discuss some things. You know, and he said how he would. <laughs> then he said he would. Take us in a limo or something. Yeah, he would take us to see uh, our properties in a limo, which we never, we always drove to the limo. To the see a limo to one our, time. I said to the limo. We always drove to the properties in our own limo, I guess, you know, in our vehicle. We never, we never rode in a car, as a matter of fact, with any of our agents. But he said it, so it was like, oh, okay. So, you know, but he's, hey, you know, we're going to see as many houses or many properties that you want. You just let me know what you're looking for. And so we said, oh, okay, cool. So everything seemed to be good. And I'm like, hey, so, you know, what do we need to do? He's like, all right, well, you know, in order to work with me as an agent, you know, I have a, what they call a, a buyer's real estate agent contract. A buyer's agreement. A buyer's agreement. And what that really is is saying just, you know, in, in, in little terms, if you're working with me, if I'm your agent and I show you properties, I have to lock you into an agreement for a certain amount of time because if I show you a property and you decide you don't want to get it with me and then you go and get it with another agent, then I should be entitled to that commission because I took out time to show you that property. And this is this is the uh, buyer's agreement that we had with the first... The first real estate real agent, estate. Yeah. which I'm going to say all real estate agents, you're going to sign this type of contract. So with him, our first agent, like I said, we didn't really know. We And, and the funny thing is we had a mentor, 
But, you know, our mentor, you know, he tried to guide us through a lot of the stuff. And some things I didn't tell him verbatim what we were doing because I kind of wanted to learn as we go. But I did listen to a lot of stuff he said. But uh, with this first one, he we ended up signing a contract with him for uh, six months. Yes. Six, six long months. months. Six months. And, you know, it wasn't at first a big deal because we were like, okay, well, we might find our property you know, within the first month, close on them within the next month, you know, you know then the deal's over. Yeah, because during that ends. time, it was a buyer's market. Yeah, this was... Um, 2016. April. Yeah. We signed in April 2016. That's when we started. And... Uh, yeah, was it 2016? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was 2016. 2016. So, you know, hey, we, we went ahead and started with him. Uh... Everything seemed to be good. We started going out, looking at a couple of properties. And I think one of the first properties we looked at um, <laughs> was, was a, it was a nice property. It was a nice four-unit uh, townhome style uh, in Tacoma, Washington, which I think as of now is the hottest market in the country. Yeah, Still. <laughs> uh, Tacoma so, is Tacoma. the hottest market in the country right now. Tacoma, when Washington. we were looking, you could buy a four unit property in the, you know, in the high threes, fours, and I mean that that was you know that was great. It was a steal, and now those pro those same properties are going for seven to eight hundred thousand. So that just lets you know how much the market can change, and we'll also talk about. Um, that later podcast, um, but working with our very first agent, he was he was very knowledgeable, and I think we were so excited just to get into the industry and and to have someone take us seriously that we went with the very first person that we had met. We didn't really vet him and take the time to see how he fit with our personalities. Um, we were, I will say this, you could, we knew he was knowledgeable when we were doing negotiations, but there were situations that came up that he, you know, lacked and it was, it, it made it kind of difficult um, to work with him later on. And we'll get to that a little later. But uh, for the most part, he was he was knowledgeable. He just wasn't the person that meshed well with our personalities and the way that we worked. Um, during our very first deal, we got to see how knowledgeable he was because the way he negotiated with the seller for um, for that uh, Tacoma Washington property on Cedar, mm-hmm. when he negotiated. Um, the oh, what did he negotiate? Not only the price. Yeah, the property needed some work, so mm-hmm. he negotiated the seller to add a credit, um, a, what they call a seller's credit, and the seller was going to put aside money after closing in escrow, and we would have the the free reign to use that money to uh, rehab certain things on the property. So I know, uh, I think the roof. Mm-hmm, needed some work on on, on one of those uh yeah. those units and some other uh minor things but uh yeah most of the work that needed to be done on that first u- that first unit that we looked at now we didn't purchase this unit we were um 
considering we did go under contract with this but we did not we ended up not purchasing it and at that time going back to our second episode where we talked about lenders we were working with mike so the first agent we worked with was uh, he recommended mike to us and um he and mike had a rapport and they had worked together for years now the first eight, I, let's just say his name, Kennedy. So Kennedy, the agent, the very first agent, he um, he was negotiating the terms with the seller's agent according to the information that Mike was giving him about our funding. The information was going to our agent and not coming to us initially and then Ramon had to say well well, well, wait a minute man you need to talk to us and not the agent because it's our money you know so he kind of had to let the lender know that and also um he let our agent know that as well now in this first deal we were under contract for the the asking price which was uh, no actually uh, we we were paying over the asking because the seller was going to give us uh money to put into escrow so i think at the time the property was like 399 yeah 399 i think we offered him about 409 with 10,000 uh in seller's credit so <clears throat> you know we will try not to get too far off but um, that's kind of a, a little negotiation tool that you can use if you find a property <clears throat> that needs a little bit of work. Uh, you shouldn't let that scare you off because it can be fixed. Now, unless a property has like some real major issues and that might be structural or serious capital you know, improvements. Yeah, like you know. But a lot of times, a lot of those, a lot of those things can be negotiated. So with this property, like it, it was a little. It needed a little work. Cos- just cosmetic Mostly work. cosmetic. So uh, what we do, you know, a lot of times, you know, to try to get the property under contract, especially if you're bidding with other buyers, which in this case we really wasn't, but you'll offer the seller what they're asking for, but then you'll figure out how much money would you need to do some of these capital improvements, and then you'll put that on top of the asking price. Mm-hmm. So if the seller's asking for three hundred ninety nine thousand and you're like, hey, we need about ten thousand to replace the roof, then you're offering four hundred nine thousand with the seller's credit of ten thousand. So you're getting your ten thousand back at closing and the seller is still getting what he asked for in the selling price. Yeah. So Kennedy was able Kennedy the agent, he was able to negotiate that. And that, that he and he explained it to us but we also had our mentor explaining this process to us as well. What, you know, what we should expect of our agent. Um, so we found another property and Ramon found it on his own. Now understand to agents can find properties through many different, um, avenues. avenues. However, because we live in the information age, there is a lot of MLS, multiple listing service. That's what agents use to get um, the homes listed, you know, for sellers 
and to find homes for buyers. We'll say properties to find, you know, to find properties for buyers. Um, so a lot of the information was listed on a certain website um, that Ramon would uh, view. And Ramon came across a really great deal on a very nice property that had been redone. Um, and we, we were very interested. It was nice. It was really near downtown Tacoma. Like you can see the, the skyline is set up on top of the hill. Kind of like in, are you talking about that one? No, I'm not talking about that oh, one. I'm damn, talking about the one, about I'm talking about the one that was close to that park. Yeah. That was not point. near downtown. That was off uh, five. Oh, okay. Well, it's too many. <laughs> yeah, we we've we've we looked at so many, but um, just to keep it short, um, the one that the the problem with this property was that it wasn't a problem. It didn't have to be a problem. It became difficult. Now, this is when we had to fire Kennedy as our agent. Because things were coming out, um, we were asking a lot of questions, and, and when we asked questions, it was treated as an issue. You know, it was like, well, why are you asking questions? I'm just doing the work. You know, I've been doing this for 22 years. Those were the kinds of answers that you you can get sometimes from people who've worked in the industry for so long, and they feel like you're. Um, testing their their judgment or challenging their experience and you're not you're just like i'm asking you this question because if i don't ask it, it's not going to get answered so um we found this property in tacoma that was great it was within walking distance of a of schools and a park a really beautiful park um it was right off the highway it had been redone and we go, we go say, Hey Kennedy, we don't want this, the property that we had made an offer on and we were under contract. Now, see, we'll also talk about this in a future episode. We were under contract for the first deal and we decided to back out for our own personal reasons. I mean, the work was going to be a significant amount more than $10,000. And we had already done um, inspection on it. and That's not why we backed out. We backed out because the seller and his wife was having some issues that we didn't know about. And they weren't, they weren't signing the documents in the time that was needed. Remember that? We didn't know what was going on because the husband would sign and the and the wife wasn't signing. Yeah, so they were and obviously going through a divorce was, yeah, or something. Yeah, there was, yeah. which we we found out later, but mm-hmm. we was trying to figure out okay what's going on, and we couldn't get certain um, things signed. We uh we tried to go see all four units. Oh We yeah. could only see three of the units because the yeah. last tenant she wouldn't let nobody in. Oh, she was. And then disgusting. we and they wanted us to just take their word for how the unit looked. It was some issues with that, and then we found this other problem. We was like, you know what, hey, we yeah, we want to exercise our contractual rights uh, on the inspection period or whatnot. We're going to back out, get our this money back, and go for this other property. And this agent, he didn't like that. He didn't like that because 
He was working with the seller's agent whom he knew. And she was a beautiful and she was a beautiful woman. Um, so they obviously had some, you know, a rapport. And mind you, the asking price for the first property that we looked at was $399,000. So we found this other property that was $395,000. They had redone the unit. They had um, updated the roof. They had done, they had paved the, the um, driveway and they... They did some interior work. Anyways, it was much nicer. We would not have had to put near the, um, the money into fixing up the property as we would the very first property that we were under contract. And it was in a better location. So we went under, we wanted to go under contract. We made an offer to the sellers and... Kennedy, our agent, was upset because, you know, we were asking questions, but he but he did work with the seller's agent and the seller's agent um made he he made the 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 deal difficult. So um Kennedy, you know, kept saying during that time, oh my you know, oh my god, this just isn't gonna work. We we need to go back and make an offer on is this the, the property on the, Cedar. Is this the one with the uh, the sexual? Yeah, the sexual predator. See, I was getting to that. Uh, I was getting to that. So sexual offender, <laughs> sex offender. Yeah, sex offender. So um, so we went. So Kennedy was saying, okay, well, you you need to go back to the Cedar property, which was the very first property that we looked at. And we said, no, we don't want, you know, we don't want that property. And he's like, oh, we can, I can get you a better deal. And the thought in our head was. Why you didn't give us a damn deal the first time? Yeah. Man? Why, why would it take this to get you, you know, to get us a better deal? You should have been, you know, doing that from, from, um, from, sure. yeah, from the start. So, uh, we were, pre we were pissed about that. But then we found this other property, the second property in the, you know, nicer neighborhood near the park. It's a four unit. Um, was it a Trader Joe's or a whole a Starbucks and a Trader Joe's? Yeah, the street. it was all kinds of stuff uh, near. It, it was really, really nice. So he was negotiating with the uh, seller's agent. However, I don't think he had our best interest at heart because he was not he was not happy that we backed out of that deal on Cedar Heights. And we didn't think it was because he thought the first property was better. He didn't like it because we thought he didn't want us to do it because his commission rate would be lower or, you know, it, I think it would be because him and the agent, mm -hmm. the seller's agent, you know, was cool, you know, mm, yeah. whatever they had together, you know. So he's like, "Hey, we about to get this money," you know. What I'm saying, <laughs> <"I'm> both, <laughs> and we like, right, no, we cut that short. Yeah. So you know, and you know, listen. I, as another side note, I'm about to be a side note king. Listen, you have to remember when you're doing this, who is running the show, and that is you, the buyer, or the or the seller, or the seller. You know, but in in this instance, the buyer. You know, if you out here, you're trying to get properties, you're the buyer, which means don't nobody get paid if you don't buy no deal. Mm -hmm. So, 
you have to remind people that and it doesn't mean be an asshole um, you know or try to be disrespectful it just means speak up and let people know what you what you're okay with what you're not okay with what you want to do and what you don't want to do and don't ever let somebody pressure you into doing something and so like I said with this agent he didn't like you know what we did want to do and the fact that we found another property that was cheaper and was better in a better area and everything because he had other uh ulterior motives you know like I said he he had an attitude about that but we told him look if you say you can get us a deal now and you didn't get us a deal in the first place, now we really don't want that deal. We He's want talking, this about, one over talking here. about the first. Yeah, the deal. first, the first is so you know, the second property, like she said, that we found is was way better. And I'll let her, you know, explain to you kind of what happened on that, uh, and why that didn't go through. Okay, so the second property, I said it was three ninety five. It was actually three fifty. Yeah. It was three fifty. So it was uh $45,000 less. But now also tell them we offered them more. Yeah, we offered them more money. And Why? We offered them more money because we wanted to be competitive. I'm going to... Now, let me... Let yeah, me... Yeah, to the whole thing. Okay, I wish that you could see crazy. Ramon's face. Eventually, uh, we'll be recording, <laughs> you know, having uh, visuals. I'm going to sip my tea. <laughs> so, um... We wanted to be competitive with other buyers. Now, as Kennedy, our first agent, was working with the seller's agent, things were starting to come out. And Kennedy was very expressive because he not only would tell us what the uh, seller's agent was saying, but he would also kind of always, you know, come back with, well, I still think you guys can make a great deal on the first property, on the Cedar property. And we were like, no, we don't want to do the Cedar property. And, you know, it was kind of like just becoming this, this and when we say Cedar hamster property, on a wheel thing. That's the first property. The yeah. second property, we'll call it Wilkinson. Yeah, the it Wilkinson. Was, it was on Wilkinson Street. Mm-hmm. So first property, Cedar property, second property is Wilkinson. Okay, so we backed out of the deal on Cedar Property. Now we're on to Wilkinson. We've made um, an offer, and the sellers accepted our offer. But but before that, though, what happened? Okay, so before they accepted our offer. But let, but go go to how we got to the offer first, and then you could tell the story about all the other crazy crap. <laughs> I, remember, I was... remember they the the property was three fifty. Yes. But before we made an offer, Kennedy, our agent, said, hey, that the, the seller's agent told us that they've now got a few people interested and we need to come with our highest and best offer. Now, before I, we get into the, the whole thing, let me just say, if your agent, who is representing you, tells you, Hey, uh, this property, you know, I know you guys want it, but the agent, the listing agent said they got some offers now and you guys need to come with your highest and best offer. Tell that agent. Kiss <laughs> your whole ass. Tell that before you fire them. Mm-hmm. Listen, our highest and best offer <laughs> is what, is what they listed it for. Yeah. <laughs> now, if, now, what you need to do 
is put on your negotiation skills and get that deal for us. Mm-hmm. Because don't come to us telling no stuff like that. Because what'll happen is you'll get into a bidding war paying more for that property than you probably should have, right? So I think, and like I said, we were just starting out. You know, a lot of stuff we kind of try to learn as we go. I think our first offer, we made them for uh, 356. 50, 356. Mm-hmm. So we're like, all right, $356,000. And I think we kind of had a little reason why that number came about, but I don't remember. So he went, put in the offer 356. Came back later and said, all right, uh, now, as another side note, when you're in a bidding war on a property, the other side, if you're the buyer and you're going for the property, the seller's agent, they cannot tell you what other people have offered on a property. So we put in for an offer of 356000 that if another buyer put an offer in for three hundred fifty-seven thousand, we would not know that. That goes against what the agents' mm-hmm. confidentiality, all that stuff. So they came back and said, "Hey, we need a, we need the buyers to put in their highest and best offer." <laughs> so this is what our agent said. So we're like, "All right, okay, listen. Tell them three. What we go to next? Three sixty-five. Three sixty-five. I think we said three sixty-five. Look, that's it. Three sixty-five. He went back, told him, all right, the buyer's offering 365 And, you know, at this point, we were just trying to get a deal. Like, all honesty, we was like, man, we just want this deal. We like this property. We like where it's at. Let's get it. So we put 365 He came back again with the same nonsense. Hey, is that the highest you guys can go? Now, honestly, I wanted to fire him at that point. Then, yeah, because as, as an agent... That's not how you should address your buyers. I mean, it is they're it, working for you. Yeah, so. they work. Yeah, the agent is working in the best interest of the buyer. So you don't want to word it like, okay, well, you need to go higher. You need to go higher. The agent should be doing a comparative market analysis, meaning they should look in the area for similar properties that have you know similar amenities as the property that the subject property that the buyers you know is is trying to buy and if there's something that's sold in that area um that's you know that's comparable to what the buyers are trying to purchase then you want to say hey this property was at sold at this price and it's, you know, very similar to the property that you're buying. So I think, you know, it'd be in our best interest to make an offer for this. But he was coming back like, hey, okay, well, um, yeah, your your um offer for 365 has been outbid. How high so so how high can you go? Now, mind you, he knew from that pre-approval letter that we were pre-approved for much more than um three hundred and sixty five thousand dollars so it was almost as if he was expressing that to the seller's agent no my buyers can go higher my buyers can go higher instead of coming back to us and saying hey you've been outbidded you know this is what i think you should do he it just it it wasn't right the rapport wasn't there 
he was losing all credibility with us because there were other things that were discussed that, you know, it was kind of, it was almost kind of like he treated us as if we were a, uh, a nuisance. We were becoming a nuisance. We weren't calling him every day. Um, we were just, you know, following up, trying to figure out, okay, well, what do you suggest? There were no suggestions there other than, well, what is your highest and best offer? Well, what can you do? You know, it, it was really dry and it was very coy and, and rude. Some abrasiveness also. So as we were in this bidding war, the sellers, we didn't go higher than 370. <laughs> we didn't go higher than 370. So we went from 365 to the highest offer being 370. And um, there were some biases that came out from the sellers. Now, we are a young black couple and we love being black. We don't want to ever, ever in life change that. That that doesn't bother us. And to be honest, excuse me, we don't give a shit who that offends. Um, but we received a letter from the sellers. And when, now this is when our agent was kind of like, you know, hey, wait a minute, okay, I'm representing these people and we received this letter. Why are we receiving this letter? He and the seller's agent, Kennedy, our agent and the seller's agent went back and forth, you know, and I guess they had exchange of some words because Kennedy was picking up these biases, you know, and and, and it wasn't, it wasn't um, covert. It was, it was, you know, it was blatant, blatantly there you know, the uh, biases that the sellers had. And um, Kennedy mentioned that we were the only people to receive letters. Now, how they knew what we looked like and who we were, uh, we don't know. And, and we could care less. But in that letter, the, um, oh, you know what? I'll just read it. <laughs> I'll read it. Okay, so um, this letter is coming from the sellers. And it says, if you have a chance to talk uh, to the buyer's agent, please let him know that their application is the most complete and most careful of the batch. And also that we have poured so much love and effort into that property over the years that leaving it um, owner-occupied would feel very satisfying. We were very fearful we would end up having to sell to a faceless foreign investor our values are all about staying local and leaving our current tenants for whom we care deeply in good hands. Knowing that we're delayed over the border because these people were traveling at the time, um, we're entertaining all offers because someone may get impatient and drop out before we can manage the inspection process. And we want to be sure at least one buyer is still in the running when we get back. Please forward this to the buyers and let them know that we can appreciate his concern about the potential for bias. That's simply too much history for that not to be a concern. And again, do reassure them that we continue to be very interested in their offer. So after my after our agent called <laughs> called them out on their biases. We don't really want to get into what what else was said. They sent this letter. Yeah, it's 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 nicely worded, but this isn't to me. This is not something that should be sent to a buyer. 
because buyers don't care. Usually letters like this are sent from the buyer to the seller to explain why they wanna purchase the property and to keep them competitive with other buyers. But this is coming from the seller and we were the only people to receive this. So, you know, we kind of had a problem with that. And in addition to that, the seller's agent um, contacted our agent and said, well, hey, we also want to let you know that there is a sexual predator that lives at blah, blah, blah sex address. Offender. Oh, sorry. Sex offender that lives at this address that that was a block away. This, now, this is a nice neighborhood. So we weren't expecting anything like that because there's sex offenders in all areas of the world, whether how no matter how rich or poor they are. However, that's not something that should be shared during the buying process. That's information that the buyers need to find out on their own. And their due diligence. Yes. When you do your due diligence and you look for a property, especially uh, if, if you're purchasing a single family home and, and you got kids and you have children, that's going to be very important to you. But because we're purchasing a property for investment, for investment purposes, we were kind of like, okay, we were being discouraged to purchase this property. You know, they were throw the the sellers were throwing all these different things at us and our agent was getting cold feet. He's like, "Well, okay, so why, you know, in his mind he's like, why don't why are we you trying to buy this property and not trying to buy the first property?" So, Ramon had a conversation with him <laughs> and the conversation did not go well. Kennedy and Ramon had a little spat. They did not yell. Kennedy didn't, uh, you know, get, drop any profanities or anything like that. There, there weren't any um, harsh words exchanged. It was more or less the conversation ended how. I tested his gangster. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, you know, our mentor knew, knew a lot, knows a lot. Owns a lot of properties, been doing it just about the same amount of time as that guy has been a realtor. And that guy Kennedy. Kennedy. So you know a lot of things. Everything we were going through, you know, we were talking to our mentor. He'd be like, "Hey, why is he asking you to do this? Or why didn't he ask you guys to do this? And why he didn't do this and that?" And we would ask our agent, "Like, hey, you know, can we do this? Can we do that?" And I think he kind of felt like, "Okay, these guys." Are asking me too many questions, but we were getting frustrated because we felt like he wasn't listening, and that is one key he component. He wasn't listening. He wasn't. But that's one key component of a good agent is one who listens. If you ask me, what are you looking for? And I say, hey, we looking for a three bedroom house with at least two bathrooms and a cul-de-sac. If you show me anything outside of that, that means you did not listen to me, and I don't want to work with you because you just showed me that you don't listen. Well, they can make suggestions no, no, if there isn't a three-bedroom on, no, no. on the market. The difference is between uh, making a suggestion to me verbally and actually showing it to me without me asking you, <laughs> <laughs> without me agreeing to want to go see it. If you ask me as an agent, you're supposed to listen to the buyer 
and what they're asking for. When they tell you what they want, you show them what they want. If you see something that may be similar or close to what they want, that is fine to say. Say, hey, listen, I know this is not what you you want or what you've asked for, but I just wanted to bring it to your attention just in case you're interested. Right? So right. he wasn't listening to us really for most of the time because a lot of things fell through. We we, we wanted a contract on about three properties, I want to say, because it was the... Yeah, it was about three properties. The green one that was down the street from the property we did purchase. Uh, remember the green one, the four unit? We went on a, pro- on a contract probably about three properties. We lost out on probably about three more. So when I had the conversation with him, which was the last one, you know, we just kind of say, look, you know, you were really pushing us to get that first property on Cedar Avenue. And when we found another property that was cheaper and better looking in a better uh, area, you was trying to shy us away from it. And you said, hey, well, we can go back to the, the Cedar property if and I can get you a better deal. That didn't sit right with me. You should have got us that better deal the first time. And it was just the way he was speaking to us and he wasn't listening. And <laughs> while we were on that call, we you know, we kind of we left it at that. I was upset. He didn't hang up the phone. And I could hear him talking to his assistant, like, hey, you know, these guys think they know everything. And I said, oh, okay. So I called Kendra, and I said, listen, you know, we got we to gotta cut him off. We got to fire him. You know, I can't work with him. You know, this is what I heard him say. And, you know, that's it. And, you know, Kendra, she called him and told him, hey, you know, Ramon heard what you said before you got the phone. And, you know, we got to find somebody else. Now, we were still in the contract with this guy for... Three more, three more months. Two more months. Sure? Two more months. Okay, mm-hmm. two more months. So, with that contract, we could not go and buy any of those properties that he showed us with another agent, or we would have he would be entitled to that commission if we bought one of those properties. So basically, what we did, we just had to wait the contract out, the six months. What I think ended up in like October. October. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, the contract ended October. Yeah, October. So, let's kind of speed this up. So that guy Kennedy, great guy, just wasn't a guy for us. So we went on to our second agent. Okay, so our second agent, lovely person, wonderful to work with. Now her experience is phenomenal. Her experience is phenomenal. I cannot say anything terrible about her. Okay. If 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 you are purchasing a single family home, she got you. She she is wonderful. She's phenomenal. If you are purchasing investment properties, however, that is a different story. I am going to leave this one to Ramon. Please. <laughs> but before I do, we met our second agent who um, whom is Renee um, at the Urban League? Uh, no, remember we went to a mortgage certificate class at the Urban League. Oh, yeah, you're right at the Urban League. <laughs> and Renee, she had a whole team behind her, which was great. A guy who would do financing. 
She was our plug to the great lender, Bill. Um, and as I said before, if you're purchasing a single family home, she was great for that. But for what we were doing, we found out that she wasn't the person that fit our criteria. Um, and when I say our criteria, I mean like what we would do now to vet agents because at that time, although we had a mentor, he was he was gracious enough to not babysit us through the process. He allowed us to bump our own heads too. Um, which was kind of great for us because now we know what to look for because had he handheld us through the entire process, it wouldn't have worked. It just would not have worked. And I don't think we would have been as near as successful as we are now. And yes, I am tooting our own horn because God has blessed us to have the things that we have and we need to be thankful for that. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> but with working with Renee was just such a pleasure. Um, she right, was. Let's, let's get down to it. Let's, well, I am. I am. I don't want to bad talk no, no, anybody not, because not her experience, her. honestly, y'all, no, she it. was great. But she didn't handle everything correctly. Right? No, right. she for. Right. But as I said, if you are purchasing with her, if you're purchasing multi units, she was not the person to go to. And that's what we talking about. We ain't talking about houses. All right. So I'm gonna allow. Allow. Excuse me. I'm gonna let Ramon explain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm gonna allow you to do it. I'm going to let Ramon explain that whole scenario. Whew. All right. Where did we get started? All right. So, Miss Renee, she, you know what? And I'm not going to bash her that we don't do that. But, you know, at the time, you know, man, man, very nice lady, though. Like our first impression, like, like Kendra said, uh, I mean, very nice, very cool. You know, we. We we clicked with her, you know. We thought, hey, you know, she doesn't. She hadn't been an agent that long. I think she was on the agent for like a couple of years. Couple of years. Um, she didn't really uh, deal with uh, investment property, so you know that was kind of a a downfall. But you know, we said, hey, look, okay, she seemed nice. She seemed like she knows, you know, enough about being an agent. Maybe we can. We we all can learn. You know, mm-hmm. and that's cool. We willing to work. So. Um, <laughs> We met with her in her office. Everything was good. We told her what we was looking for. And we, we got out there. We started looking at some properties. Now, I think we missed out on probably about a good three or four good properties. With, now, with when we Renee. met with her at her office, this is <laughs> this should have been a red light for us. You know, now that I look at it in a hindsight. Red a red light, a red a stop sign, whatever. <laughs> um when she said, oh, this is the properties that y'all looking at, remember? And we were like, well, they're four units. You know, we realized that we'll have to put some money into them. We're not going to be living in there forever. We're just going to be living there a year until we get something else. You know, we rent our unit out and get something else. Red flag. Red flag number one. Which, you know, we'll when we get to our last agent, will tell you the difference, mm-hmm. and you guys can see the difference. So, with Miss Renee, like I said, very nice lady. But, uh, <laughs> so we missed out on about three good. The first property we missed out on. Uh, oh I, man, that deal was man. The rents were high. The price was, was low. Which this one? was the one that brown and white one. 
Because remember, those rents were yeah, that was in the back nine hundred. So this was another property in Tacoma, uh, which now is probably a good area that has risen um, in Tacoma. Uh, it was a it was a four unit. It was like uh, it was a four unit that was in the front. This four unit that we were looking at was in the back. There was two in the back, and so it, you know it didn't look that great. Don't get me wrong, but um, like like Kendra said, the price of the of the property. I think they were only asking uh four. No, two. it was threes. It was in the threes. Yeah, it was high threes. Was okay, well, high threes, and the rents were like I want to say nine hundred, mm-hmm. eight yeah. to nine hundred, mm-hmm. which is not a lot, but compared to what the the price and rent ratio was was pretty good, and what we could go in and do to the units and raise the rents up, it was just advantageous for us. So we. Called her, you know, hey, look, you know what? Well, we went to see the property, actually, at night. Went to go see the property, seen one of the units inside. You know, again, this agent, she she was more of, uh, had the mentality of someone buying a house. So, you know, when you're looking at a house, you want everything to be perfect. But we're, we're looking for investment. So, we like, it don't got to look, you know, like, uh, you know, some some nice, you know, mansion and all this crap. No, we, we're just an investment. So, we just want to make sure everything working. Ain't nothing damaged structurally or, you know. It was actually nice because they, they did um, update the unit. They did a little bit of updating. Mm-hmm. Things that you would do to flip an apartment to rent it out. Now, when you're purchasing a home, you're purchasing a home with all the fixtures. And, mm-hmm. you know, you want the granite, granite countertops and, and the updated bathroom to look like this. And the bedroom to look like this. And the closet to have. When you're in, when you're in investment mode. You don't, you care about those things, but you don't care. You're looking at what can I do to bring in more income. Exactly. And so, you know, that that's what you're looking at. You know, you're not, not being a slumlord, you know what I'm saying? But because you're going to go in there, you're going to fix any kind of deferred maintenance. You know, you may want to paint, you know, do some stuff to make sure that it's, it's in good condition. And you want to rent them out and try to get as much rent as you can. And so we had a plan. And so when we seen it. They had an offer in, but when we seen it that night and we left, we said, hey, you know what? We like it. You know, let's put an offer in. We told Renee. The morning came. She didn't respond until about, I want to say that afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then found out that the seller had accepted another offer. So, yeah, I was pretty pissed. So, <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, we just missed out on that deal. And she she says something about like uh, she she, she kind of put it off almost as if they wouldn't have taken our deal or something like that, and I said oh, okay you know all right whatever, so we went and we found another property. Oh, was it the one that was on top of the hill? That was for five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Now this one, if you guys listen to our second uh, podcast, we talked about the uh, lender Mike. And we brought a deal to Mike at one point that was about five five hundred five thousand. Mm-hmm. And he told us we didn't qualify for that. Well, <clears throat> we really did, but so this deal we found. Now this was the nicest property that we had found since we had been looking. This was in it was in Tacoma. It was it wasn't downtown. It was it was it was near downtown. It sat up on a hill. It kind of like, you know, that West Coast, California, San Francisco, mm-hmm. where it kind of sit up on the hill and you can see the skyline of uh, downtown Tacoma. 
they was it was four units. They was uh, I think one of them had fire damage. Yes. One of them had fire damage, but these were nice two bedroom, I think two baths. Two baths. Mm-hmm. W- uh, wash and dry hookups. I think they had carports. I can't remember if they had carports. Is this the one that was for sale by owner? The owner uh, was sick. Yes. I think she had cancer, mm-hmm. something like that. And so this property, I think, was like five. I think this one was five fifty though. It was. It was five fifty. And we was like, man, we need to try to figure out how we can get this deal. Rents the were rents, high. The rents was high and it could go higher. Well, long story short, we didn't get that deal either. Yeah, because Renee dra- was dragging her feet. She was trying to drag her feet. So I think the 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 straw that that broke the camel's back. So let, let let's talk about how Renee was dragging her feet. How was she oh. dragging her feet? She wasn't responding. Now, responding to who? Responding to me. Because when I call you and I email you, I need you to respond. I don't you you call me the next day or email me the next day, you already fired. And I cause I don't do business like that because like I tell you, when people email me or call me, I make sure I get to them. It's ASAP. You know, it it may not be within a minute or the you know, the hour, but I make sure it's that day. You're not waiting a long time for me to respond because I expect the same in return. Renee was kind of working on, uh, what's it called? Color people's time. I yeah, hate to say that, but, but she, she was kind of just like, you know, well, I got other, you know, things going on. It's like, oh, oh yep, yeah, nope, mm-mm, can't do that. So anyway, long story short, this property that we ended up buying, and we won't go all the way into it. But the property that we ended up buying, our first property. That we ended up purchasing. We ended up purchasing. We in the contract, everything, boom, we got it. It was ours. We drove by this property probably a good 10 times. The first couple times by myself. On the way to work. And I was like, ooh, hell no. <laughs> it, it it didn't look nice. I mean, it, it shared a, a, a driveway or a parking lot with another four unit. And they had about 10 potholes, trash all outside, people hanging outside. Uh, yeah, it, it was, I didn't like it. I went there at night. I went there in the daytime. And I was like, ooh, no, nah, I want this. So we, we, didn't, we didn't go for that. We just looked at some other properties. We ended up coming back to this property because everything kept getting bought up. And we was getting later in the year, and I'm telling Kendra, like, man, I want to get a property. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> I told Kendra, I said, hey, there's this property that's been on the market. At this time, I think it was on the market for over 300 days. So I took her. We drove by it. She was like, ooh, no. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> she like, mm-mm, nah, I can't do this. I took her by that night. She said the same thing. Two more times I took her by there. They was wearing me down. Yeah, I was wearing me down. I was like, look, all we got to do is live here for 12 months, right? We're going to get an FHA loan, and that's all we got to do is live here for 12 months. That last time, she was like, that's it, 12 months? I was like, that's it. Then we can move. She was like, all right. And we ended up living there for two years, by the way. And it it actually... Was, is the the nicest neighborhood, not as far as looks, but 
it wasn't bad if we were by several schools. After we got to, you know, we made a little turnaround, but yeah, we did. So getting back to Renee. So when Kendra was on board with it, I said, all right, cool. Let's go and put an offer in. I called Renee the next day. No, I'm sorry, that day. I called her that day. She didn't answer. I was at work. I called her. She didn't answer. I text her. Hey, Renee, you know, give me a call back. We found a property. We want to put an offer in on. I emailed her. A few hours went by, no response. And I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of rushing because I'm like, man, we finally agreed on this one Mind property. Mind you, this property has been on the market for 300, 300 days. plus days. So in my head, you know, yeah, it's probably now no rush, but what if somebody happened to be looking at it, which they end up was. There was a couple people started looking at it right when we started looking at it. So I'm calling her, I emailed her, I text her. She did not respond to me. Until <laughs> the next day. In the afternoon. About 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I had, that was almost 24 hours. That was over. Yeah, it was over 24 hours. hours. So, what happened, me being me, and, and, and being impatient, and I was irritated, I waited till about, uh, about 5 o'clock. I called her, I first contacted her about noon. I waited till about 5, 5.30. She didn't respond, so I said, hey, there's this other agent. His name was Nick. He had been keeping in contact with me for like over the last year or so. And he has a website that I would look at properties on. And with that website, he can kind of see who comes online and looks at properties. So he would just send me an email every now and then. Hey, you know, Ramon, I see you know looking at couple properties. If there's ever any property you want to look at, just let me know. You know, and I'd be glad to show you. And so I thought about him. I said, you know what? I forgot about him. Let me call him up. And in the website that Ramon is talking about, I I believe at the beginning of this this episode, I kind of discussed the multiple listing service. Um, And this website lists properties that they have on the MLS, which is really, really nice because this is the service that agents use to list properties and to find properties. So this um, real estate company, uh, a brokerage, they made it easy for both the consumer and the agents to find properties. And Ramon was using the website and that's how he found Nick, our so, third agent. Yeah, third. Now this is, it took us three agents to find out, <laughs> to, to purchase our first property. But sometimes this happens. So, when I called Nick, like I said, I called Nick about 5.30 in the evening. I said, let me call him, give him a call. Called him up, ring, you know, ring. He answered, right? <laughs> so, he answered. So, I was like, all right, hey, Nick, this is Ramon, you know. I mean, if you remember me, I know you kind of keep in contact with me every now and then about property. He said, oh, yeah, Ramon, you know, I was, you know, I was going to give you a call sometime, you know, sometime to see if you're still looking for any property. And I said, you know, it just so happened that we are. There's this property uh, that's been on the market over 300 days. And even though it's been on it that long, I was like, I just, I kind of got a feeling, you know, if we don't jump on it, it'll just be our luck that somebody else comes in, you know, because the market was kind of getting dried up. Properties was going left and right. This is now, this is in 2016. Uh, so the end this, of 2016. Right. So, you know, the Seattle market <clears throat> was really starting to heat up. 
And, you know, so he said, oh, you know, hey, so I'm like, look, we want to put an offer in. I said, we got an agent, just for full transparency. We got an agent we're working with right now. I said, but I can't get a hold of her. He said, well, you know what, uh, I'm on my way from Tacoma back to my office in Seattle. So what I can do is I'll give you a call when I get there. He said, give me about 30 minutes. I'm going to write up a contract, and I'm going to give you a call. I'm going to send it over to you, let you and your wife look over it, and if it all looks good, I'll go ahead and submit it. That man called me about 605. <laughs> <laughs> he, he emailed us the contract. They had all the you know all the contingencies, and we'll have to we'll have to talk about that too when we get to about contracts. And you know when you guys go into contract, there's certain contingencies that you really want to make sure is on those contracts. Um, but he sent that contract over, had all the you know he he put in certain contingencies and that we that we wanted that we wanted something that we didn't think about. And he was like, you know, if there's anything else that you want to add, let me know. So everything looked good. I think we had him add what one or two things maybe. Um, and then we said, Hey, we signed it, DocuSign, sent it back to him, sent it, uh, he sent it to the seller. I think we got to accept the offer the, the next, next day. day. The next day, they they offered, uh, they were, the property was listed for f- uh, 505. No, it was listed for uh, 500,000. No, no, 499. Cause remember we gave him an extra five. Oh yeah. So yeah, it was true. listed for four ninety nine, and it had, it was originally listed for I think like five forty five or something, and they ended up going down the later it sat on the market. <clears throat> so we got a we got an accepted offer the next day. Yeah, in twenty four hours. So while Renee did not call Ramon back in ample time, um. And and let me mention this too. Agents have a required time that they are supposed to contact their clients back. If they do not contact their clients, their clients can go, I mean, depending on if you really want to work with this agent, they can go so far as the clients being they can go so far as to speaking to the agent's manager. I don't want to get into to a whole bunch of terminology because it gets confusing but um, you can speak to the agent's manager, supervisor, whomever, basically their broker or managing broker. And um, you can fire that agent if you're under contract with them. You can get out of that contract because that agent has to contact you within enough time. If not, they have abandoned their client. So that's basically what she did with us is she abandoned us as her clients because she was not contacting Ramon back. Now, the funny thing is, is Ramon would call her, but she would return the phone call to me, not the same day, but the day after. And then I would have to tell Ramon, hey, Renee did call back. She called me back. And he's like, well, why would she call you back? And And I would speak to her and say, hey, you know, Renee, you need to call Ramon back because he he wants to speak to you. And she told Ramon the reason why she doesn't like to call men back is because their wives can sometimes, you know, have a fit. But we had already... That was bullshit. Listen. No, forget that. But that's what she said to you. Yeah, that's good. I don't remember that, but listen. 
I'm just saying this is the we got our third agent, <laughs> wrote up the damn contract in less than an hour, and got it signed on both ends from us for the, and from, from the us seller, the buyer and the seller in 24 hours, and we was under contract. Now, this is what happened later. So, obviously, we had a contract. I'm happy. So, <laughs> when Renee finally calls me back, which was the next day, so the day that we got to accept the offer, that's the day she calls me back. And she's like, hey, you know, uh, Ramon, I'm sorry I'm just not getting to you. You know, I I had some things that uh, I was going on with another client and, you know, and da 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 And I said, well, you know, Renee, I, I called you a couple times. I texted you. And I left you voicemail and I emailed you. And you called me back the next day. And we was trying to get this property over here. And we was trying to get it on the contract. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, but such such, you know. And I said, well, listen, uh, I just want to tell you, you know, we, we, we got another agent. And it got quiet. And I <laughs> yeah, we got another agent. We, get, we, are, we got a property on the contract. And she said, what? What, what do you mean? I said, well, I was trying to contact you. You, you know, we, we trying to do business here, and you it took you 24 hours to contact me back. You know, I mean, that, that's unacceptable. I mean, <laughs> we could have missed out on this deal. We missed out on a few deals already mm-hmm. because you've been moving slow. Well, I you know what? I can't believe this. You know, I put in all the time and all the effort showing you guys property, and do, and this is how you do me. And it, You know, she was pissed. She was pissed. And I would say that I understand her, but I don't. Because, you know, this is the thing. When you're doing business, you have to do business. You know, it's okay to be friends with people, but it, a lot of times it's not. You know what I'm saying? So she didn't do her due diligence. She didn't do her part, sorry, by making sure she con- This is what I tell people. It does not take long to send a quick text, email, or whatever. Hey, listen, I'm in the middle of doing such and such thing or whatever. Give me 10, 20 minutes or whatever, and I'm going to call you right back. When you do not do that and you take it upon yourself to say, I'm so busy with whatever else I got going on here, I can't call you back until the next day, and I'm your client, and we under contract with you, which means you don't get no money from us if we don't get no deal. That means that you didn't make us our priority, your, your priority. We don't matter to you. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go make sure and I'll find someone that's going to make us our priority. And that's what that third agent did. Nick, man, he made it happen. And when we told you earlier about when we was looking at our, that one property with Renee, the first one, and she was like, oh, you guys want to buy this? It looks like this. This is the difference, this is the difference between her and Nick. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, the property that we bought, the one we actually closed on, it looked, it looked terrible. It it. It didn't look that great. It was a lot of work we had to put into it, the way that it looked from, you know, the before and after pictures is night and day. Mm-hmm. But Nick, when we got on the contract, we went to, we got our inspection period. I remember him being like, oh, this is nice. He I went like through this. and he sent a lot of stuff that we saw that we even we was like, ooh, man. He was like, oh, no, that, that ain't nothing. Man, you can get somebody, you know, I can find you somebody that can go and fix this and put this little heater thing on the Oh, that's a little quick fit. Like things that we thought would probably really would, would uh, discourage us. He was like, "No, no, no, that that ain't no big deal. This is you buying it for income. You gotta look at the bigger picture." Mm-hmm. 
That's what a good agent would say, right? And when you're talking about an agent who sells houses and one who sells multifamily, because they're not looking at it from, like like Kendra said, with all the fixtures, the grant, and all that crap. They're looking at it from the income standpoint. As long as this building is stand up and it's structurally sound and everything else is cosmetic, that can be fixed. So, hey, you know. And the unit, I mean, the uh, property that we that we went under contract uh, with Nick, or that we had under contract with Nick, um, we did, again, end up purchasing. It had two updated units. Everyone had their own front and backyard. It was, and all the tenants were, for the most part, were clean. Okay, no, 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 she lying. No, Listen. no, no. For the most part, they were clean. They weren't filthy because yeah, yeah. they they weren't filthy or anything like that. They didn't have dishes piled all on the ground. And well, that last time, they, remember the one with the dog? They, one of the tenants had about eighteen pugs, <laughs> and they <laughs> they let them shit all over the floor and just left it there like it was yeah, a, like an ornament normal. or something like. But what, you know what? <laughs> And it was one of it was really one of the best properties out of all the properties we looked mm-hmm. at. It didn't look like it would be, but like she said, I mean, you talking about everybody had their own washer and dryer hookups in the garage. Everybody mm-hmm. had a garage. Everybody had a front yard and a backyard, you know. And you only had somebody on the side of you, not below you and above you, or you know what I'm saying. So it was really kind of the, one of the best properties that we had even looked at. But like she said, you know, we did have a couple of nasty tenants. The ones yeah. we had to kick out had cats. Yeah, we'll and we'll talk. We'll discuss uh, uh, dealing with tenants uh, later podcast, which is planned. But um, this property, as Ramon said, it was like night and day from when we moved in until the time we sold it, because we did ended up we end up selling that property. But um, Nick was very instrumental in, I guess, uh, in, uh, uh, I don't even know how to how to say he it. He was very instrumental in us getting that property because he had to deal with a lot from the seller's agent oh, to yeah. escrow. Um, well, see, the seller's agent was a foreign investor. Yeah, the, yeah they, were, they were in China. Mm-hmm. And they were, yeah, so they had their own escrow agent people. They had their own listing agents that they were working with. And they were really very difficult. They, yes. I mean, they were very difficult. And I, I'll say this. Nick could have done, done a better job of negotiating the price, a lower price for us, because it was on the market for over 300 days, for almost a year. So we probably shouldn't have paid what we did for it. But I'm glad that we, you know, that we got the deal um, and we were able, we lived in it for two years. We could have moved out after the first year, but when we started to see the progress and the fruits of our labor and how just by us fixing up our unit, it literally cleaned up the neighborhood because other owners were contributing their time and money into their properties. I mean, it literally made a difference when, when people, and because we were in the cul-de-sac, when owners saw us fixing our units, you would see them, you know, pay more attention to things, get their roofs done, you know, get trash out the street, not allowing their tenants to have broken down cars, 
you know, uh, delegating how many people can be outside of the, I mean, it was, it was great. It, it just become it, it became a great neighborhood. Um, there was a school right behind us, a park across the street from the school store up the street, daycare on the corner. I mean, it was, it was a nice neighborhood. It just needed people like us, to be honest with you, that would put care and concern into their property. Now, when you, as an investor, you meet a lot of other investors that are just absent investors. Absentee owners. Absentee owners. They do not care about their property. The only thing they care about is collecting money. They do not care, or nor are they concerned about how people live. We will not purchase anything that we will not live in. That is the most important thing. And I remember Nick saying that too when I went on an inspection with him. He's like, do you see yourself living here? And I'm like, ooh, I don't know. He was like, well, maybe you, y'all should think about, you know, buying something else. Then he was like, you have to see yourself living in this. Because he was explaining to me the property that he had purchased, uh, he and his wife were living in because his wife was a dentist or a, a dental assistant or something. And he was saying, you know, we don't make a ton of money, but, um, you know, we had to buy in a neighborhood that, you know, is growing. Now this area in um, <laughs> that he lived in in Seattle, I mean, average cost for a house is about a million dollars. That's average. Um, but like she said, not to cut you off, not, like mm-hmm. you said though, these are things that an agent, a good agent is going to tell you See, some agents, they see the money that they're going to get when you close. Mm -hmm. So they do, they'll do and kind of say anything to you just to get you to close. But see, with Nick, he could have easily said, oh, no, don't worry about it, Kendra. That's that's cool. That don't even matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he he told you, he said, no, look, if you can't see yourself living here, you might want to find something else. So that, that shows you, you know what, I'm not driven by money. I'm trying to. I'm driven by getting you the best deal that you're comfortable with, right? So, you guys have to be comfortable with making this deal, which is gonna make me comfortable with selling it to you or and, helping you buy it. Right. And funny thing is, is he sold the property that was across the street from us. Yeah, to another owner. To another owner, and he said, "You know what? I I worked over here already." He said, "I know the guy who bought the property across the street. Maybe I can get you his number." And you guys can work together on things. And we did. Oh, yeah, we ended up connecting with that owner. And they were a bunch of basket cases. But we'll talk about <laughs> that later. <laughs> yes. Just had, developing rapports with other owners. I was great at that. Uh, trying to get, you know, people on board. Because if I had a complaint about anyone in the neighborhood and I knew who owned that property, I'm going straight to the owner. Um, so, anyways, um, Nick was or Nick is a, a great, uh, a great case study as far as good and bad agents. I mean, he had things that he could have worked on and things that we look back at and we said, Oh man, we should have done this or that in that deal. But he wanted to set the stage for loyalty. Whereas he wants loyal customers or excuse me, loyal clients. Um, he knew exactly what we were doing. So he wanted it to, you know that relationship to be open so that we can go back to him and say hey we want to buy another property from you uh or with you and you know we we need your assistance 
Um, and we thought about him, you know, to purchase other properties. Um, I think that we need to, you know, wrap this up. Yeah. Hey, yeah. We've been talking for a long time, but, uh, I think we try to cover as much as we can, you know, about the agents. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want you guys to pick the wrong person because the wrong agent can get you the wrong deal. And that would not be good. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is with agents, you want to make sure that you have the lines of communication open with them. Um, Remember I, who's the boss. Yeah. You are the boss. You <laughs> For Ramon... I don't like when he say, well, who did you, who are you working for? You know, because that's what he would say. I wouldn't say that because I think when you work with an agent, you work with an agent. You're working together. I've never said that. <laughs> I, I think it though, because yeah. I, at the end of the day, yeah, hey, you know what? When I, you about to get 3% and 3% of that deal, we bought 500,000. That was, what is that? About 20, about 20,000. You you about to make about twenty thousand. Yeah, and, oh, and yeah. we didn't, you, we you, don't you, have you, that much contact with you. You, you know, need to do what I need you to do. Ex- yeah, I'm sorry true. to say I'm, I'm not gonna be an asshole, but we paying you, so you know, be an agent. Don't don't listen to what we asking for. You know what I'm saying? If you need to take notes, take notes. And when you try to make it, people don't understand when you about money. When you're just driven by that money, it's gonna show, mm-hmm. and yes. you're gonna turn me off. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, if you're good at what you do, you don't ever worry about money because it's going to come to you. Exactly. And and you notice that when you deal with people in business, not just real estate, anything in life, when people are good at what they do, they don't worry about money. They don't worry about getting paid because it's going to come. And we didn't find that out until we got our third agent. And so, yeah, that took a lot of, um, it took a lot of, you know, <laughs> headache and heartache. I mean, it was, yeah, no it heartache. was. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the same. Hard for them, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm like, let your, what's that? Trump say you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but you know, we, we got things to do. Yeah. So, so, folks, that is it. That is all for today. Hey, if you guys got any questions, comments, you know, definitely hit us up at uh, slow. No, I'm sorry. Invest. Invest at, at slowwealth.com. That's I-N-V-E-S-T at S-L-O-E-W-E-A-L-T-H dot com. And that's slow. S-L-O-E, which stands for success lives on elevation. Elevate your life. Elevate your game. And that's how we're doing it. And uh, that's going to be it. So we will see you next week this is kendra and ramon signing out y'all peace